And now for something completely different. Here's what's coming up this hour on today's experience. It's Expository Thursday as we work together to know the letter better. First into the narrative of the book of Acts, we travel to understand what things the Lord does require of us as we learn to apply God's timeless truths in our lives. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. So why is that important? The cornerstone is the rock by which everything lines up and everything is built according to the plans. That's who Jesus is. The one who lines everything up and the one by whom all of our blueprints are designed. Oh, that's cool. Next, but Dave, there's so many religions and so many different beliefs. Are you telling me that Jesus is the only way to heaven? That's just too narrow. Great observation, because Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it, Matthew seven thirteen fourteen. And finally, bold, uneducated, and untrained. These are hardly positive descriptions for any person unless you're a Christian. Because these images melt away based on this one reality. These are not the same fishermen as before through the power of the Holy Spirit. There were common fishermen. They were. But these men had been with Jesus. And because of that, they were, they, what they were meant nothing because of who they are now in Jesus Christ. They are, were vessels of God's power, and God's grace. David Spoon's life has been an experience. While growing up in a Jewish family, he made a wrong turn towards drug abuse. Then David Spoon found Jesus Christ, and his life completely changed. The more he studied the gospel, the more he wanted to share his experiences with others. After 35 years of ministry, David discovered a new path of service. He joined KAAM, and this radio program began. You're about to hear the David Spoon Experience. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavenly talk. Here's what else we're looking at during the show. Lessons for surviving, living, and prevailing. Politics, entertainment, and current events. Personal revelations, spiritual observations. My life's insanity is an oeve. So much more. Hey, 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 hey. We're asking you, what do you think? Now, you can reach out to us in two ways. You can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org. That's King David without the king, David. So it's just david at hemustincrease.org. David at hemustincrease.org. You can also text us, 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. On Monday, you'll be able to call us again, but not yet. But in the meantime, text 214-210-8483. If you've got a thought, a question, a comment, or something you want to share it, I'll do my best to communicate it from the phone or from the email onto the air. To give you an example, one of our good friends, Roger, again, just kind of curious 
serious about the parable with Lazarus and his whole process when he died? And it's like, do you take that as literal? How do you take a parable? Just asking that question in the midst of things, it's a great question. Parables are primary there, primarily there to teach a very specific uh, lesson. It's kind of like the, the moral of the story kind of lesson. But there's sometimes there's hints and clues in those stories that give you some insight. You just got to be careful because some people read too much into things. So I'll give you just a quick example. I just want you to understand this. Somebody will say, well, the farmer went out to sow. And then people will go, see, he was a farmer. He wore blue jeans. He had a hat. He had a straw in his mouth. And he must have got up at the crack of dawn. Okay, none of that stuff was said. It just said the farmer went out. Okay, I'm just showing you what people tend to do. Just be a little careful with that kind of thing. In the meantime, you might have perhaps an answer to Bible trivia. And you may want to say, I think I know that answer. So you text it in to that 214-210-8483 number. Here's the question. In the beginning of the church, when they picked Matthias as the replacement for Judas, okay, what apostle was taking the lead in those situations in Acts chapter 1. Which apostle took the lead and started directing things in Acts chapter 1? Joy Ann and Cordelia nailing it down before I even get to finish the question. That's pretty impressive. Uh, I will let you know, in case you don't know, that this show is not professional radio. I, we have proven that a thousand times, if not five thousand times, it's just radio. It's crossed between Steve Martin, Sean Hannity, and Focus on the Family. We do the best that we can, and we have fun with it, and we want you to be blessed by it. Let this be an encouragement for you. One of the things I've noticed is that every time, not now it's getting to the point where it's ridiculous, every time you read anything or you hear the news or you do anything along those lines, Every time, the lead story is like it's the most important story ever, ever, ever. And then they tell you what the story is, and you're like going, that's the most important story? <laughs> it's just like if you just recognize that the kingdom of God is where the center of everything revolves around, and if you're not sure about that, I will give you $10,000 after you read Daniel chapter 4 if you don't come to that same conclusion. The kingdom of God is the center of everything, and God rules in the affairs of men. So men write report on men, but we want to know what God's doing and be connected to that. Can you say amen? Because if you can't, you're going to say, oh, me. Here's the bottom line, the trivia question. What disciple was coordinating all of the church stuff that was taking place in Acts chapter 1? Who was the dude in charge? I think you guys can figure that out. In the meantime, we're going to get into, in fact, actually, the book of Acts. I want to go do a little bit of a uh, step back, and then we'll do kind of our launch way or our pathway in. Here's what it says in Acts, and we are in uh, chapter 3. No, we're in chapter 4 now. See, I'm, even I am lost from time to time. Uh, we are in chapter 4, and it is in this verse we want to start. Uh, this is the reference to Jesus. Let it be known to you all and all the people in Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. There is salvation in no other. Let's just back up to that one part right there. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. 
by which everything, all things, line up. And so what, what Peter is preaching to these leaders is, you guys who are supposed to be builders, you're supposed to be building God's building, and you're supposed to be involved in participating with God. You're rejecting the very one that God has brought that everything else needs to flow from. This is not a nice way of saying it. This is the way Peter said it straight to these leaders. Peter said, you're rejecting Jesus, and he's the one upon everything is built, and you're turning your face away from him, and that's going to cause disaster for you. Let me explain something that will never, ever change. I don't care what the cultures are. I don't care what the sciences say. I don't care what the the, the mathematicians say or the biologists say. It doesn't matter. Everything on this planet centers around Jesus. The entire thing before his death, burial, and resurrection, and the entire thing after his, after his death, burial, and resurrection, both sides of the B.C. and the A.D. point to Jesus. And the, the key to remember, and I think people too, do tend to forget this, is we are a Christ-centric people. We believe that Jesus is at the center of everything that's going on. He's at the center of the redemption that God has for us. He's at the center of the purposes that God the Father has for us. He's at the center of the completion of the plans and the ministry that he has for us. He is the head of the church. Look at, I know your pastors are great people. They're fantastic, and they, they, they are really good sub-shepherds. But there is only one chief shepherd. And when you're done, and we're done with it all, and you stand before God and before the throne, you're not going to stand before your pastor. You're going to stand before God. You're going to stand before Jesus Christ. You're going to stand before the Holy Spirit and give an account. It all centers on Jesus. Everything from the old points forward, everything from the new points backward, all to what? One center point. God views time and views the whole dispensation of man simply focused on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is at the center. He is the chief cornerstone. The reason that you're hearing me harp on this, which you kind of are hearing me do, is because when people reject Jesus, oh, I believe in God. I believe God is up there. He's some kind of gaseous thing, kind of like gas on Pluto that's, you know, going around a planet. Well, then he's gas that's on Jupiter. That's what God is. This is all based on Jesus Christ. And when people wince, when you say through Jesus Christ or through Jesus' name, that should be a big clue for you to go, aha, they don't get it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through him. You can do all the other ups and downs, all the other dances that you want. It's not going to change it, and we're going to talk about that when we get back. First, I've got to answer the trivia question, though. What was the, or who was the disciple that was kind of in charge of everything in Acts chapter 1? That'd be Peter. 
Peter, stepping up to the plate, even after he rejected Christ, restored by Christ, stepped up and took charge and took responsibility. Pretty cool. All right, folks, you're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. What is the David Spoon Experience? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. Now <laughs> you think three words. Come on, Dave. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is... Hebrew for teacher, or it doesn't matter if your translation says master, rabbi, it doesn't matter. She said, Mary. She, she responded, Master, Lord. You see, the resurrected Jesus Christ speaks the name of his sheep. And Jesus knows your Name. My sheep, Jesus said, know my voice, and they hear me. And you were going along in your journey. Maybe you were young and you were in church. Maybe you were young and somebody brought it to you. Maybe you were in middle, the middle part of your life. Maybe in the later part of your life. But at some point, Jesus or he said, David, Tierra, Tiffany, Noel, Joshua, Ashley. At some point, he called your name. The risen Messiah spoke your name to you. You know what? That's when you said, yes, Lord. Yes, Master. Yes, Rabboni. It's the most powerful moment because it's the moment that the divine Messiah speaks to you and pulls you from one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, into another kingdom, the kingdom of light. It is the moment that changed everything. And uh, Billy Graham had a really good piece on it. Said Some people can really define that moment. Some people can't. Doesn't matter. It happened for those that, well, it's kind of like a metamorphosis, but it happened. And in the economy of God, it happens more specifically. And maybe the person doesn't know the date. I know my date, but maybe the person doesn't know the date they said yes to Jesus. But there was a moment where Jesus called your name and you said yes. And that was the beginning of your understanding of his depth of love. And if you can't outside. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. It's KAAMAN 770, the truth station here in Texas. Let's get ready for our next trivia question. Kind of a fun question. You guys should know this right away. If you don't know this, I'm going to have to weep privately. Which apostle lived the longest? 
Which apostle lived the longest? If you think you know the answer, you want to text in 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. Or you can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org. As you know, right about this time in our section, usually on this particular time, we do uh, some sort of humor. That does not mean that it is funny. It does not mean it is not funny. It does not mean it is or isn't funny. I still do it anyway, because every once in a while, I just need something really dumb to look at, and here we go. So get ready. The trivia question, which apostle lived the longest? If you think you know the answer, we're getting a bunch of answers in. Every person thus far is correct. Uh, 972, oh, no, no, sorry, 214 on the text, and then uh, org on the website. Here goes, or on the email, here goes the joke. There was a parish that had a notorious reputation for spitting out their pastors. Every three years, the council would review their satisfaction with the current pastor and invariably ask for his resignation. Pastor Smith was on pins and needles as the council meeting marked his third anniversary, and it drew near. He knew the church's anti-clerical tradition, and he began to prepare for the worse. He was in consultation with other pastors and just reviewing the possibilities and make a change. He even just contemplating leaving the pastorate altogether and going somewhere else. The night of the dreaded council meeting, the lay president said, well, Pastor Smith, As you probably know, we have asked you to step outside while we discuss some of the concerns among us. With his heart palpitating, Pastor Smith waited for what seemed like forever. And finally, the president invited him back in and said, have a seat. We reviewed the past three years. The council has unanimously voted to renew your term as our pastor. Oh, that's wonderful, cried a relieved Pastor Smith. But tell me, that's a first here for many, many years. How did you come about to that decision? Well, replied the lay pastor, if it were up to us, we wouldn't have a pastor at all. But as long as the church says we have to have one, we figured you're the closest thing we'll ever get to not having a pastor. I mean, come on, that's funny. (laughs) That's bazinga. Come on. Okay. It was long, but it was funny. Okay. All right, uh, we did that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just laughing at myself. I'm sorry. Noel goes, you, you laugh at your own jokes. I said, I know it's terrible. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, verse 12 on Acts chapter 4. And this is a biggie, biggie, biggie important. And then the next segment's kind of like totally, totally cool. So you have to deal with the biggie, biggie, biggie important. And then we'll get into the totally cool. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I'm going to read that again. I want you to learn this passage, or at least know where it is, and that's Acts chapter 4, verse 12. That's the address where it is, or what it says is, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So what people do is, and I was just reading a book on this today, is they don't like the narrow elements of many faiths. What they like is they like more of a broad cafeteria style of faith. 
And that's awesome that they like that. I mean, that's great that they're thinking along the lines of kind of investigating. But when it comes to heaven, you have to remember that heaven is God's home. Okay? Heaven is not this, you know, theoretical place that people have in their mind. It's not where you go to when you're trying to find a safe space and you run away from everybody and you put uh, blankets over your, your head and, you know, kind of snuggle up with your bear or snuggle up with uh, your doll or whatever the case may be. Nothing like that. Heaven's got nothing to do with that. Heaven is God's home. And Jesus is the door. Not, uh, I've done good enough, I should get in. Knock, knock, let me in. Jesus is the door. Just think of a house and think of a door, the front door, and think of that door being Jesus and you're not getting in the house any other way. So there's a group of people out there that are like really against the portion, or not against, but they poorly teach about the portion where Jesus said uh, that uh, that uh, everybody comes through him. You know, no man goes to the Father except by through me. And they get really offended at that and say that's the only place it says that. And it's like that's so ridiculous, it's incredible. It's not the only place that says it. There are at least 17, I'll give Dr. Jeffers credit because I think he's narrowed it down more specifically, but various places that say that Jesus is the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Remember he said that? Well, that's a text that says you only get there through Jesus. You can't argue that. And people are like, but that doesn't mean that. Well, then what does it mean where it says there's salvation? There isn't salvation in any other. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved except the name of Jesus. Well, it doesn't mean that. There's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Well, it doesn't mean that. That's the only answer that people can give when you start quoting scripture after scripture after scripture that just clearly shows that Jesus Christ is the door. And by the way, he said, I'm the door. Another translation, I'm the gate. And it's like, it's so clear Jesus is the light of the world. It's like there's no, eh, oh, well, maybe, kind of. It's a little bit of this belief and it's a little bit of that belief. No, it's not. Well, this group thinks it's this. I don't care. But they're all nice people. Who cares? I want to go to heaven. I don't know what the problem is. It's not very complex. You think, well, that's selfish. That's okay. I'll be selfish in order to get to eternity with God. You got it. I'll do it. I'll follow him all the way through. There's an old saying we used to. This is an old Yiddish proverb, but we're going to use it on this show. You worship God your way, God his way. (laughs) I think the whole premise here is to understand that God has set up a pathway. Or Let me make this as clear as I can. It's Friday night. You've got a barbecue coming. You're in the backyard. You've got the front doors bolted and closed. You're in the back. You're bad as you have a swimming pool. Your neighbor calls you up. Hey, I can smell that barbecue. I really want to participate in this uh, meal. I, I, you know, I just want to come and hang out. Great. Come on over, friend, and come in the backyard because the front door's locked, and the only way to get back here is through the backyard gate. Okay, see you in a while. Because that's the entry point that the person gives for people. Well, that's what Jesus is for heaven. He's the gate that the person who's holding the barbecue is talking about. Go through him. Go through the gate. Go through him. 
and there's all these other beliefs, and I know there's other faiths, and you think, well, are you going to tell me that all of those other people are going to go to hell? They're all going to split hell wide open? Here's what I'm going to say to you. I think so. I'm pretty sure that's how the read is, but this one thing I absolutely know. If I want to go to heaven, I'm going through Jesus. Everything else is rolling dice, and I ain't doing it. And so then, then there's more people that are a, a lot more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, adamant about that. No, you will absolutely go to hell. Well, it does coincide with what Jesus said, that there are many on the pathway to destruction. So you know, you might even ask yourself, well, will more people be in heaven than in hell? No. More people will be in hell than in heaven, period. This is not, God is not doing this for numbers, Okay? Oh, whoever has the most people at the end wins. It's either Satan or God. Nope. God's already told everybody the more people are going to burn, they're going to burn, churn and burn, then people are going to get saved. Jesus already made that clear. Didn't take any reservation about it. Didn't hesitate. Listen to what he said in Matthew seven thirteen through 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leaves, leads to life, and only a few find it. And you think, well, why, well, why is it hard? Why is it hard to find? Because you must do this through God, not through yourself. That's why it's hard for people to find. People that don't want to use the redeeming work of Jesus Christ are people that want to establish a righteousness that they think is acceptable, and that is not acceptable to God. You either use his path, you use his way, you use his formula, or you just don't get in. And you think, but it doesn't seem fair. You wouldn't know fair if fair slapped you across the face. I know that's terrible. What a mean thing to say. I know, but see, the idea here is that God gave every one of us life, and not one of us deserves it or is entitled to it. And since God is the giver of life, he gets to determine the rules of life. And if people don't like it, it's tough, because that's how it goes. You think, oh, that's so mean. Look, it's uh, Aunt Deb, <laughs> when, I, when I say this, it's like the bumper sticker that I wanted to put on, but my wife won't let me put it on, and uh, Aunt Deb won't let me put it on, because she doesn't like it either, because I wrote this one bumper sticker, and, and this is what it says. It says, I'm sorry that God didn't choose you. <laughs> Isn't that mean? <laughs> For all the people that aren't going, yeah, but I, so I can't use that one. But the idea behind it is, look, this is his program. You're either in his program or you're not. It's pretty simple. Get in through Jesus Christ. Okay, answering trivia, uh, which I think we're going to do right this second. What apostle lived the longest? And the answer would be the apostle John lived the longest, uh, perishing probably about 95 or 96 AD, the longest apostle that lived. Okay, you're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas, taking a short break. Then We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Like any person searching for answers, I too have wondered about him. He has a weird sense of humor. If people are seeking wisdom and insight from the great teachers around the world, would they go to David? No, I don't think so. Those big ears really don't help. Will people enjoy his perspective on culture, politics, food, sports, and local and national news? 
I don't know. He's just a client. Tune in to the David Spoon Experience on KAAM. What is the David Spoon Experience? When Joshua was trying to figure out, you know, the Lord and his decision for the Lord, and he was doing pretty good and had good training, uh, uh, he made a decision to, to follow the Lord. Then he made a decision that he wanted to really commit to devotions. I told him I was proud of him for that. That's his own decision. He has to make that call. Nobody can choose that. You know, I was listening to something the other day, and this is one of the most bizarre statements. You're never going to hear a more bizarre statement. I hope this gets on the radio. You know, you can be born and raised Jewish. You can be born and raised Italian. You can be born and raised in many different things, but you can't be born a Christian. Can't do it. Because you have to make a decision for Jesus Christ. There's no being born a Christian. That doesn't work. That's a lie. You have to make a choice, an individual choice. Your 15 generations of your family could be Christians. When you're born, that does not make you a Christian. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's when you become a Christian. You understand that difference? There's just something that dawned on me. Like, you know, people don't talk that way. Well, he was born in a Christian family. That doesn't mean he's a Christian. Plenty of murderers came out of Christian families. That doesn't mean a thing. That's nothing. But anyway, going back to it, I had to add sure of that because that's that thought that just really struck me as odd. But the power of our words is, is, is so noticeable. And Jesus says, hey, you know, I got one for you. By your words, you're going to be justified. By your words, you're going to be condemned. So my question to pose is why? That's so forceful and brutal. And the answer is in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew, you guys like that one, huh? I like that. I can tell people, oh, I like that. Matthew chapter 15, here's the reason, verse 18, Matthew 15, 18 says this. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And the reason that Jesus said, by your words you will be justified and by your words you'll be condemned is because your words reveal what's in your heart. And you will know, you can listen to other people and know by their speech. And I'm not even talking about coarse language. I'm not talking about swearing. I'm not even talking about any of that. I'm not even necessarily talking about negative speech. I'm talking about you will know a person's heart by what they say. The David Spoon Experience. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Don't forget, it's KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Get ready for your next trivia question. Your next trivia question, not a complex one, but here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Now, you will be able to figure this out quickly, but I want you to listen to this. i got a little caveat here. You're going to get the right answer, but if for, before you answer through the text... I want you to try and do the answer in your head and then look it up. I just want you to try, okay, and see if you get it right. How many chapters in the book of Ezekiel? How many chapters in the book of Ezekiel? That's the question that I'm asking you. If you think you know the answer uh, right off the top, or you absolutely know it, uh, send a text, 214-210-8483. You can also... Text. Uh, you can also uh, send an email, David at he must increase dot org. How many chapters in Ezekiel? 
One thing I do want to do is, is just give some credit to Kirk. Kirk listened to the show, and he uh, sent a, script, a couple of scriptures over regarding hell because it's, you know, it's, there's going to be so many people going there. He sent over Proverbs 27, 20, hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. It's a great passage to, to, to bolster what I was talking about in regards to uh, hell and more people going there than going to heaven. That is the way it's going to go, folks. So uh, this is not a we want to know if we have more numbers. This is a, boy, are we privileged to go with the Lord or not. And just, just so you can know, I have zero problem with people saying we're special because the Lord allows us to understand him. What's wrong with that? You're right. That's right. That's how that goes. We are special because of that. In fact, in First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he calls us a special people. Okay, just to let you know. All right, uh, trivia question. How many chapters in the book of Ezekiel? I, I don't have any problem with you looking it up. So you can do that and then send the answer in. But if you guess first and then send it in, I just want you to kind of, you know, kind of keep your brain going, that kind of thing. In the meantime, let's do our history. Oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, we got to do uh, uh, our promotion for the website. Whoops, sorry, Chris. Okay, so the promotion for the website. It's pretty simple. I don't want to make this complex. We are down in our funds, and we need to go up in our funds. I can't say that any clearer. And the easiest place to give is on the website. Please go to hemustincrease.org. Website, he must increase dot org, he must increase dot org. Email david at he must increase dot org. Facebook. He must increase ministry. YouTube, he must increase ministry. There you go. Check that out. There's a couple cool things on there, but plus there's a place to give. Plus there's some other stuff. I can't remember. There's even battle star plans and yeah, stuff like that. Um, oh, there's pictures of sunsets up there. So those who want to know what, what we used to look at when we were in California, we were in this really wonderful condominium for a while. Beautiful views. And it's probably, it's probably uh, there's a multitude of pictures up there. You're welcome to check them out. All right. How many chapters in Ezekiel? That is the trivia question. In the meantime, now we're going to do history. Let's play our history song. So a couple things today. I'm not going to dive too deep into this, but uh, it is National Candy Day. Uh, I don't care that I'm at the 60-year uh, uh, place, which is going to be like in another month for me. Uh, I still love candy. Candy is great. Candy rules. I don't care. <laughs> This is why I think the Lord chose me. He always wanted one of those little kids, you know, and he says, unless you're like a child, you'll know I enter the kingdom of God. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm there. I'm there all the way. Uh, it's also National Easy Bake Oven Day. What's better than a cake being baked by a light bulb? Yeah, that's what I said. And then also, it's National Men Make Dinner Day, which I'd be glad to do with my wife as soon as I can get off the couch. I'm just not stuck on the couch for the same reason as normal. And the way that I make dinner is 1-800-P-I-Z-Z-A, just to let you know. Uh, 1980, on this day, Ronald Reagan defeated incumbent U.S. Pr President Jimmy Carter by an extremely wide margin. 2003, on this day, the largest ever solar flare is recorded. And finally, on this day, 1993, the first Israeli commercial TV channel. The first Israeli commercial TV channel began broadcasting some of its 
first shows included unique versions of Wheel of Fortune. How about that? That's a trivia. You probably didn't know that one. Okay. I'm just so sorry. All right. Last on the trivia. How many chapters in Ezekiel? If you can't get it right or don't know, you're welcome now at this point to look in the back of your, of your Bible. Read how many chapters. Send the information in. 214-210-8483. Or send an email. David at hemustincrease.org. Back to the text. And what, of my, what I consider to be one of the great, one of the greatest texts. One of those, you know, top, 20 all-time kind of thing is, is uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. There's a ton of things you can teach out of this, but just listen. When it says... They were uneducated. This isn't the way that you and I would think of uneducated. Back then, uneducated meant illiterate. Not just, oh, he doesn't have a college degree or a post degree or whatever, or doctorate. He's a ding-ding, okay? Kind of that thing, okay? They were illiterate in the eyes of the, of the leaders, and they were, un, they were uneducated and untrained, and untrained means that they didn't have a special labor or a special talent, or we should say a special vocation. Most people know vocational school. These guys did not qualify as educated or vocationalized. They were uneducated and they were common. Okay? Except, and this is what you have to remember, except... You and me and Peter and John and James and all the crews, all of us believers, we cannot stay common once we've been with Jesus. Once that connection was made for you, or once you touched that was made for you, you became more uncommon than anybody else could imagine. You can't have an encounter with Jesus Christ, follow him, and love him in your heart without being transformed by the power that comes from Jesus. They say in the very beginning of that text, it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter, that boldness was not a, it's not an arrogance or an obnoxiousness, which plenty of uh, Christians have from time to time. That is speaking with assurance. And, they, and, and remember what the guard said about Jesus? Never a man, never a man speak like this man. No man has ever sounded like this. And that's because when Jesus spoke, he knew what he was saying. It was no guessing. He knew exactly what he was saying. And our boldness is us speaking with assurance, not arrogance, not a pride, not an obnoxiousness, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And so there's a boldness that enters into your heart. And maybe some of you are like, yeah, but I don't, you know, I don't want to, you know, jump up and, uh, on top of a countertop and start pointing my finger. That's not required unless the Lord tells you to do it. If he tells you to do it, you need to do it. 
If he doesn't tell you to do it, you don't need to do it. But there's some of you, he has told you to be that bold. And you should be. You should be obedient to the Lord always. But once you've had a touch from Jesus, you are never the same. You are not common. Do not allow Satan to make you believe at any point that you are just common. You are separated, sanctified. What's the word these both lead to? Holy unto the Lord. You are not common. In fact, you are the opposite of common. You are special in the eyes of God. And when they saw Peter and John, and they realized they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed because they knew that Peter and John had been with Jesus. Now, I want to... I want you to catch something here that's in the text. Peter and John were not amazed. They were not amazed that the Pharisees were amazed. Peter and John were just telling their truth. But the the leaders of the Sanhedrin, they were amazed because it was evident by their spirit and by their demeanor that they had been with Jesus. Even if they didn't know they were projecting that, even if you don't know you're projecting that, when you've been with Jesus, it shows. You don't have to ever, ever have to worry about you producing that. That's all on God. Once you've touched, once he's touched, you're never the same, nor is your existence around anybody else. All right, I got to answer the trivia question and give Chris props because he took a picture of the trivia uh, uh, pamphlet and sent it to me via picture. <laughs> That's pretty funny. How many the book of Ezekiel? The answer is 48. 48 chapters in the book of Ezekiel. Just keeping everybody on their toes. The next one's going to be a lot harder. Just be aware of that. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. This KAAM radio show with your very own David Spoon is not a business but a nonprofit ministry first and foremost committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and strategically equipping the saints. Our mission is to educate, encourage, and entertain Christian believers, the hurting, and those not yet believers who need biblical truths. To continue our radio ministry and message of truth, we need many of our faithful listeners to support us as well as ministry partners who might wish to sponsor the He Must Increase ministry. By giving, you wonderfully facilitate our priorities of assertively teaching the Word of God, and you get nothing in return. No quid pro quo. Nothing but a receipt at year end indicating you gave to us since your donation is 100% tax deductible. Remember that it says in Corinthians that whoever sows generously will also reap generously, or in Proverbs where it teaches that a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. But if you cannot give, no problem. Continue to enjoy and learn and give however you see fit whenever you can. 
To support us, go to hemustincrease.org. That's hemustincrease.org. Such support is terribly appreciated, knowing it enables our beloved David Spoon to give to all of us his time, energy, like so few can, right here on KAAM. A couple things I think we'll open up with. I've decided to open up with a story that I wasn't going to open up with because it's such an outrageous story. But it's not an outrageously super bad story. It's an outrageously super dumb story. There's a big difference. Bad is when I tell you, which I'll be telling you probably in the next segment, how the federal government is creating a database to track down uh, hate speech as they define it. That's bad. We'll talk about that a little bit. This is dumb, but it's funny dumb. Dumb, ha-ha, funny, but not entirely. Get this. Now, I'm holding a picture in my hands. You can't see it. But there are four monkeys in this picture that I'm holding. And the headline reads this. Millions in taxpayer money used to study drunken monkeys. No, no, really. Drunken monkeys. And you're thinking, no, you're making that up. Nope. Federal government reportedly has spent $3.2 million so far in order to get monkeys drunk in order to study the effect of alcohol on the monkeys. I don't know. See, I don't know where you're even going to go. Where are you going to go with this? There's, I'm going nowhere, Dave. There's no... I got nothing to there's say. There's no comment that anybody can make. The David Spoon Experience. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Getting ready for our final trivia question. I have forewarned you that this would be a difficult one. Uh, Outside of a Google search, you can do anything you want to find out this answer. Ahab had how many sons in Samaria? Ahab, not talking about Moby Dick, Ahab had how many sons in Samaria? The very specific answer, if you think you know that answer is, you can text in 214-210-8483, or you can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org. Please keep in mind that at uh, 5.20 today or so, I'll be doing my first physical therapy, so you can be in prayer for me. I don't suspect it'll be anything too outrageous other than they're going to yell at me for being too active today, which is uh, not abnormal for me. Uh, Again, Ahab had how many sons in Samaria? The key in that is there were a lot of them. (laughs) So look it up in your Bible. Uh, If you know the answer, 214-210-8483. That's the number you want to send a text to, or you send an email, David, at hemustincrease.org. Let's see. The other thing to tell you is, let me think about some of the other things to tell you. Uh, 
So uh, Monday I'll be back in the studio, which is very, 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 very good news. We'll be back on the normal uh, track, and you'll be able to call in. For those that have hung out with us throughout this experience, we greatly appreciate it. So last week we did replays. This week we did uh, the show by the phone, which is, you know, I think it's good to do both. Uh, And then we have some new series that are starting. We're going to be doing Esther. We're going to be doing the pastoral epistles. uh, And we're going to be doing uh, uh, Genesis plus another book that we're going to be jumping into. So there's a lot to take advantage of. Uh, Two other things real quickly, and then we'll get into the teaching. One, don't forget, only on Android because I don't have the money. Uh, We do have a free app for the show, so you can put it on doesn't take up like hardly any space at all. You click on it, and it has a link to listen to the show live. Plus, it has links to the podcast, which has like you know twenty nine hundred hours worth of podcasts. And then uh, the other thing to let you know is if you want to go to our website, hemusincrease dot org, because you have a prayer request, don't hesitate. We will keep it confidential, uh, and we praying for you. And there's nothing wrong with having other people praying for you while you're going through whatever you're going through. Uh, and it doesn't always have to be bad things. So you can just pray, hey, it looks like I'm getting this job. Please pray I do a good job. You know, whatever, whatever happens. That's fine. All right. Uh, last, one more time. Ahab had how many sons in Samaria? Just so you can know, it's a large number. Okay? It's a large number. Okay? All right. And if we get into a situation where there's controversy, you know, we'll deal with it tomorrow. Can't be how much controversy could be in that. Eric got it, so I'm feeling a lot better. Good job, Eric. Okay, uh, let me go back into this text, and I want to just I want to say something about this because I didn't talk about it before. You know, I, I did, but I didn't really hit into it. So let me just go back into it just real briefly. It says, verse 13. Now they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. After seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. So I want to say something about this because this is really important. When we walk our walk, there is a desire that we have to reach people who have never been saved. Okay, That is a valid, normal part of our process, normal part of our walk. And as we reflect Jesus more and more, we have maybe an unspoken hope that some of these people will be drawn into the kingdom. But the the reason that you're conformed into the image of Jesus Christ is not only to reach some of these people, but also because that glorifies God the more that you reflect Jesus. So the reason that I'm saying that, the way I'm saying that, is this. You are going to become more and more like Jesus between now and the time the trumpet blows. And that may or may not impact other people who don't believe so that they can become believers. And they may or may not marvel at your life transformation. Okay, But in God's economy... Your transformation brings glory to his name, and that's the most important part from the divine perspective, that you reflect the glory of Jesus Christ to the honor and glory of God. It's super important for you and for me and for every person who texts and every person who calls in, and every person who sends an email, and every believer in every denomination, in every group, to understand that you, once you've had this encounter with Jesus, are not 
nor will you ever be the same person you were before. You are born again, and the Spirit of the living God has come up and taken residency inside you, and your dead spirit, which is dead because of sin, became alive again inside you. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, spiritual things, oh, the Bible speaks, and you become alive. It's almost like you're placed into the bowl or the pool of spiritual understanding, and all of a sudden you start to get it, and so on and so forth. I want you to catch this. God sees you perfect because he sees you through the eyes of Christ. And he's making you look like that through each and every trial and each and every time he, he engages with you. But you are not the same you. Even when you slip, you're not the same person you used to be. You are a new creation. And yes, we have problems getting away from the old us. We have difficulties stepping aside from the old us. And we slip back there every once in a while. But do not let the devil take advantage of you by messing up your theology. You are a new creation in Christ. And that is how God sees you positionally, and that's what he's working to make you practically. When you fail, it's disappointing, more so for you, in the sense that God already knew you were going to fail. Don't let your past failures stop you from making progress in becoming Christ-like. We all have messed up. Every time you see a pastor, I don't care if the church is 100,000, 10,000, 1,000, 100, or 10, or 1, that pastor has no more of a, of a free walk, no less of a struggle than you do. The Spirit of the living God lives in you like it lives in the pastor. And the Spirit of the living God is able to resurrect the dead. That's the power that's in you. Just think of that. The power to resurrect the dead abides in you. Now, does that mean that that entitles you to try and sin. God, remember what the scripture says? God forbid. Instead, we ought to uphold the law. We ought to pursue to do the best that we can. And it's only by the Holy Spirit's power that you could ever fulfill the law anyway, because the Holy Spirit writes the laws in our hearts. That's a whole separate theology. The, the bottom line in that process is that you are not the same. You are a new creation. And some of you need to remember that you're just not the same old you you had an encounter with Jesus Christ. You will never, ever be the same old you. You might have moments, and you might fail, and you might kind of blow it from time to time. And um, I, not only do I identify, I confess it with you. But you do not lack in the empowerment to be the person God wants you to be, and you do not exist in the mind of God as the old you. You are a born-again child of the Most High God, and He loves you. Just think of how much we love people in our lives, people that are close to us, and then take that understanding 
and magnify it by a thousand, and you're still not near how God loves you. Okay? So don't be deceived. Don't be fooled by that kind of thing. Be aware of that. And I know that there's some of you out there, and you've been Christians a long, long time. And the enemy has made it seem like, oh, well, you should know better, and da 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 The Lord knew what he was doing when he chose you. He didn't make a mistake. It wasn't an accident. There was no oopsies. Okay? The Lord loves you. He's with you. He stands by you. He is next to you. He's in you. He's around you. He's for you. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And who cares? That's something to rest upon. Okay? You might have failures. I have failures. But I'm not going to live by those failures. I live by the declared victory of my position through the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. And in the eyes of God, I am clean. And I take it. Get it? All right. All right. Very tough trivia question, by the way. Tough one. Ahab had how many sons in Samaria? A lot of you are like thinking, oh, that's just really hard. Seventy. He had 70 sons in Samaria. You gotta, and it's not Samaria as being a large area. It's Samaria. Uh, bottom line is he had 70 sons. So 70, 70 places for more disasters to take place because he wasn't exactly father of the year, if you catch my drift. Okay, tomorrow we're going to finish up doing the shows from home. In the meantime, I really want the Lord to love on you and bless you and encourage you. You've been listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas, taking a 22 and a half hour break, then we'll come back more insanity with Spoonanity talk to you then can't stand the shame it may be false but it feels the same the views expressed on the preceding program were those of the speakers and not necessarily those of KAAM DJRD Broadcasting or its sponsors